I'm excited to share today's sponsor. Today's sponsor is Royal Co. In particular, Royal Co.'s Body Poetry Yoga Cards. If you've been following me on Instagram, I know I've shared these a couple of times. You can even find a video of me walking my kindergarten students through one of these Royal Co. Body Poetry Yoga Cards. For the longest time, I have been wanting to bring more mindfulness, breath, and even yoga into my art room. I was always a little uncertain, felt very insecure about my lack of knowledge, but then I got this 16-card set from Royal Co. These cards are big and beautiful. On one side of the card, it shows an illustration of the pose, a child doing the pose, and then on the back of the card, it shows a line drawing of mannequins, which is perfect for us art teachers, going through the steps of the pose. Not to mention the cards come with an insert that'll walk you, the teacher, through each one of the poses so that you understand how to show the kids when to take a breath in, when and how to move through the pose, and when to exhale. I've been beginning every one of my kindergarten classes with a different body poetry yoga card. We start with a little hit of my singing bowl, we take a deep breath in just to practice our breath. We exhale. I demonstrate the pose, and then we do it together. Me and my students, we've really been looking forward to this. You could do this with kids of all ages. It's just something that I've really been incorporating in with my most squirreliest of friends, my kindergartners. If you're interested in more, definitely check out the Royal Co. website. Look up Body Poetry um, Yoga Cards and get you a set. And you can also check out my Instagram. I've shared the cards there. You can even see a video on my IGTV of me walking my students through one of those poses. Thanks, Royal Co., for sponsoring this podcast episode. Lately, my podcast episodes have been all about art supplies. I'm really like digging deep into all of these different art supplies in the art room because I know some of these supplies may seem mundane, run of the mill, we all have them, but do we all know how to totally use them to their fullest potential? So I'm going to talk about a supply today that you are going to be like, Stevens, I know everything there is to know about this one, but wait, you never know, I might have something for you. We today are going to be talking about markers. Now, a couple of years ago, you could have opened up any cabinet, closet, drawer, random shoebox, what have you, in my art room and found markers. Big markers, skinny markers, capless markers, permanent markers. It did not matter. Literally, I had markers everywhere. It was like Every day when I left, somebody turned on Marvin Gaye's Let's Get It On, and all these markers decided to do just that. They were multiplying, and there was no end in sight. And instead of, you know, weeding through my markers or really going through and getting rid of the ones that didn't work, I just kept ordering more. Every year, I would order a brand new class set of markers. It got so out of hand, one day I just couldn't take it anymore. So I pulled all of the markers out, every box, from every cabinet, from every drawer, piled them all in the middle of, it took up three tables. And then I left for the day because I was like, oh, heck no. 
now I'm not dealing with all that. Uh, that's that's going to be a job for tomorrow, Stevens. Do you guys ever set yourself up like that? You're probably way smarter than me. You don't do that. I am like frenemies with tomorrow, Stevens. I will make a huge mess in my room the night before and leave it and then curse at yesterday, Stevens, for doing just that. I do it all the time. It's very strange. But anyway, knowing that I had this mount marker to tackle and I wasn't going to be the one to do it, I decided to create it into an early finisher's center. I have my genius moments. Check this out. So I created like a great big drawing sheet with my bingo dauber and it was for my early finisher's center. And I told the kids, if you finish early, please go color this giant poster. And my kids, I don't know about yours, there's just something about laying on the floor and coloring they absolutely love. In fact, the minute those words came out of my mouth, I had a flashback of me laying on the floor, coloring in my coloring book with my dad. So obviously, it's just something that kids of all ages enjoy. And why I did that was because I wanted my kids to test out my markers. I told them as they're coloring, if you come upon a marker that doesn't work, chuck it in this big plastic bin. So in the end, we had this beautiful banner that they'd colored, and then I had weeded through, or I had them weed through, all of my dried out markers. Now, before you do the same and then throw away those dried out markers, I'm gonna tell you a little couple of tips of things that you can do with dried out markers. But before I do, let's just talk markers for a minute. You know, before I came a world-renowned marker connoisseur, I just thought that a marker was a marker. Oh, how I now scoff at my ignorant ways. I'm trying to channel my inner Schitt's Creek voice here. Pardon me. Uh, so the first thing that you ought to know is that the size of the marker, it matters. I can't believe I just said size matters in a podcast episode. I mean, you're not surprised, but I'm a, I'm a little. No, I'm not, not really surprised. You don't really need to splurge on skinny markers and also the bigger markers because the skinny ones, I've noticed, they tend to dry out really easily. I think the markers that have a chisel tip they work the best because with a chisel tip, you can color small areas and wide areas. All you got to do is teach the kids how to do just that. And even after you teach them, are they still going to smash and damage the tip of the markers by slamming it down to make dots or by pressing too hard to color? Of course, that's like what they do. This is why we can't have nice things. But this is also when you teach and reteach until the day that like non-smashable marker tips are created. I mean, if we can put a man on the moon, where are my non-smashable markers at, right? The other thing that's important to note is that marker brands come in two varieties, washable and I don't know, they don't call it non-washable. They just call it like marker and much like washable tempera paint, I've noticed that washable markers, they just don't pack the same punch. And lastly, of course, there's scented markers. Now, I don't know if you've noticed, I haven't mentioned any marker names, and I don't plan to because I'm an equal opportunity marker user. Honestly, 
the two major marker brands, actually, I think there's three or four. I, I like them all. I don't necessarily have a preference. But then there's the scented markers. You know, Mitch stole my soapbox when he was lecturing me on checking my pockets before doing the laundry with uh, markers inside my pockets. So you can, like, dye clothing with markers. Who knew? So I'll keep this rant short since I don't have my soapbox nearby. But while I do love the idea of adding another sense to the art-making experience, and that would be the sense of smell, you know, with the smelly markers, because... Common sense isn't always a thing that we have going on in my art room, especially from me. You know, I always cringe when I see my kids marker huffing. I'm just going to be honest. I mean, I know they smell and I know that's what they are there to do, but I don't feel like inspiring that at such an early age or let's be honest, any age. My favorite is when they do the combo huff experience and they come running up to you and they're like, ooh, ooh, try smelling the pink and the yellow together. That being said, you know, those scented markers, they really are the literal bomb when it comes to color and coverage. So I often get them, but they always come with a little bit of a lecture That usually ends with, you know, and just because they smell good, that doesn't mean they taste good. Right, Billy? Billy being the kid who's sitting there with like a blue string of saliva just slowly oozing out of his mouth. Have you ever had your kids taste the scented markers? I never even know it until either the blue saliva comes dripping out or I catch sight of their tongue and I'm like, what are you doing? Anyway, so that's my take on markers. I go with the ones that um, are not, quote, washable. I do kind of splurge on the scented, but I also keep the regular ones that aren't scented available for friends who just can't handle that much of um, a smell, we'll say. Now, when I introduce markers to my students, aside from the let's not lick the markers lecture, we also dive into chatting about how to use markers. And I know it's kind of funny because when I started teaching, I just assumed that kids knew how to use markers. But just like everything else, kids need to be taught. They may have used markers since forever, but that doesn't mean that they've been using them properly. I introduce markers to my students with a little bit of a marker dissection. I tell them, I know that you've been using markers And I know you've been using them before, but have you ever stopped to think, what is a marker? What's inside of a marker? And I use pliers and I take the marker apart to show them. If you've never disassembled a marker, it's really easy to do. Take a pair of pliers and you want to start by removing the plug. The plug is the back end of the marker, which you can do just with a little bit of a wiggle and a twist with your pliers. Once you've got that off, then you can remove what's called the wadding. The wadding is what is the little filter, or I like to call it the ink cartridge inside of a marker. You can remove that with your pliers too. And the kids find this really fascinating that there's this little ink cartridge inside. Then you can remove the tip 
which is the felt tip of the pin. Again, using your pliers to pull that out. You'll wanna do this like over a tray or a plate and it's pretty messy. It could stain your hands, not that you're not used to that, but if that's something that's gonna bother you, you can get all serious with your discussion and use gloves and wear even like a, a surgical mask or whatever, just to really hype it up for the kids. And so once you've got the whole thing kind of dissected, you can walk them through the parts of the marker. Kids don't only find this like fascinating, but it really helps them to understand how to care for a marker, like why it's so important. I explained to them that the wadding is where the ink comes from and that the tip is what the ink flows through onto their paper. If the cap is left off or it's not placed back on properly or all the way, the tip will dry out. And this is also the reason why we store our markers either upside down or on their side because it just helps the ink flow better. And that is something I didn't learn until a couple of years ago. I always stored all of my markers with the caps facing up so that the kids could find the colors easily. That will dry out your markers, especially if kids don't use them frequently. You need to store them upside down so the ink from the cartridge continues to flow to the tip. If it's difficult for kids to find the colors they want and you're, when you're storing them that way, then just consider adding a little paint dot on the back of the plug so the kids can find what color they want to use. From here, we talk a lot about the marker tip. I think it's important for kids to know why markers have that chisel tip or that pointed tip and how to use it. So we also spend some time discussing how to color with markers. And if your students are like mine, they think that coloring with markers is an Olympic sport with the fastest colorer taking the gold. I let them know that y'all, this ain't the case and that oftentimes fast finishers ultimately make more work for themselves because they have to go back and recolor. So I show them how to hold the marker, to use just the tip to color small areas and how to hold it or angle it so that the chisel can color wider spaces. Then we talk about how if you overlap the color by coloring it back and forth, it will make a darker value and the, the color will change. And I tell them that when coloring, you think of whatever you are coloring in as a racetrack and that your first lap around the track needs to go slowly so you can stay within the lines. We call that our pace car. So we drive our pace car really slowly around that shape so we don't get out of the lines. And then we can color a little faster around the racetrack. In my art room, my markers are kept on my supply carts, which are in between my students' tables. So they have easy access to them when they want to use them in their sketchbooks or some, for like an early finisher activity. And I keep mine in baskets laying on their sides to help with the ink flow. And I also have marker police whenever we use markers just to double check and make sure all the caps have been snapped. Now let's talk about my favorite marker hacks. I'm gonna be honest with you, I don't use markers for art projects very often in my art room. However, because it's an art supply that my students usually have access to outside of my art room, I want them to know how to use them properly. That being said, when we do use markers in my art room, we often use them in non-traditional ways. But before we go down that road, let's throw it in reverse 
and talk about that marker dissection for a bit and what to do with dried out markers. So you can actually revive what your dried out markers. You know, if you had all the time in the world, or even better, if you have students who love to take things apart, like I have kids who come in during recess for art, so this is perfect for them, then you can have them dissect your markers. And in doing so, they can remove the cartridge if the cartridge is still really wet then that means it's still full of ink. So the problem is if, if it's a dried out marker with a cartridge that's full, the problem is, is that the tip has dried out. Maybe it's a brand new marker somebody left the cap off of, the cartridge inside is ready to go, but the tip is dried. So here's a trick. You can remove the tip, lay it on a paper towel, spritz it with water, put it back together again, and it should work. Now. If you're like me, you are not about to do that with all of your markers, but it's heartbreaking when that happens to your brand new markers. So consider having your early finishers do it. If you have Copic markers or really expensive Prismacolor markers, oops, I just name dropped and I said I wasn't going to do that. Oh, well, um, that would be worth your trouble, I would think. But the other thing you can do is this. You can make marker juice. So if you have your kids disassemble or if you decide to disassemble your markers, remove the ink cartridge. If it's dry, then you can use it to create marker juice. Now, there's two ways to go about making marker juice, and that's my word for it. You could call it like marker paint or um, even a diluted watercolor paint is ultimately what it's going to be. There's two ways to do it. There's this way that I'm sharing currently, and then there's the lazy man's way, which I bet you can guess which one is my favorite. So let me show you or talk to you about the non-lazy man's way. If you decide to take apart your markers and remove the cartridges, take the cartridges and all of the ones being the same color, drop them inside of a mason jar. Mason jars you can get at the grocery store, but really any kind of container I like to use clear ones, would work. Put all of, let's say, the red cartridges in a red mason jar. Then fill the jar with about a third of, the, of water. Now here's the trick. It's a really a good idea to use distilled water. I've tried using tap water, and sometimes a little bit of a funky smell happens, or even sometimes there seems to be like a slimy little weird texture growth that goes down. This is not what we want in our art rooms. Distilled water will make it so that won't happen. No weirdness will occur. So while you're buying your mason jars, get a couple of jugs of distilled water. Put your cartridges in there, pour in about a third water, put the lid on it, and just let it soak overnight. What will happen is, is that the ink that's in the cartridge will leave the cartridge and make a diluted, colorful kind of water. You can use this water then a number of ways. You could use it for a watercolor wash for your students. You could use it as a diluted watercolor paint, or you could put it even in a spray bottle and use it to mist or even for working with stencils with kids. That's the more complicated way. And by the way, when you do dissect a marker like that, you might want to hang on to the actual um, cylinder that the marker is in and even the caps. I love to use those for printmaking. They're also great for sculpture projects. 
I save everything, and I know you do too, so just throwing that out there. But if you don't feel like having all that around, Crayola, I am name dropping here, Crayola does do a marker recycling program. So check out their website for more information on that. Now, if you want to go about it the lazy man's way, here's what I do. I'm too lazy to pull apart and dissect a marker. I just take all of the same color markers, like let's say all of the red, put them, um, take the caps off, put them marker tip down inside of a jar. Mason jar is the perfect size for this. Fill it with a third of the water, essentially do the same thing, and then take the markers out after a couple of days. It takes a little bit longer because it's draining from the tip, from the cartridge. And technically you would get a better result from the filter or, you know, from the cartridge trick, but I'm too lazy for that. So that's what you can do with those markers that just are starting to dry out a pinch. Another trick that I love to do with markers is color diffusing. You can purchase color diffusing papers. Um, actually, Royal Co. makes um, great color diffusing papers, which you can find either on their website or in any of your art supply catalogs. And if you're wondering what is color diffusing paper, it basically is what coffee filters are made out of because coffee filters will do the same trick. So if you don't wanna purchase color diffusing paper or it's just not in your budget, next time you're at your grocery store, get the really large coffee filters. Restaurant suppliers have the mega sized ones that are perfect. And you'll also want to use styrofoam plates for this hack. So you can do this hack a number of ways. You could simply have your kids place their filter on their plate, color their filter with markers any way they want and then you just simply spray with like a, a bottle of water spray water onto the colored filter and the colors will start to bleed and transform it's quite magical now the trick is because i know a lot of people do this my main hack about this is you've got to do it on a styrofoam plate and then you need to let the coffee filters dry on the styrofoam plate so often I see people do this trick, but they'll take the filter off of the plate and then let it dry on a piece of paper. And what will happen is, is that the color will drain from the filter, staining the paper and making for a really faded looking filter. If you leave the filter on the plate and allow it to dry there, then it sits in its, what I call marker juices a little bit. It'll reabsorb the color that dripped off and got on the plate. And the um, coffee filters will end up being extremely beautiful and vibrant. There are so many fun projects that you can do with these coffee filters. One thing that I love to do is do them around dot day or after reading the book, The Dot by Peter H. Reynolds. I love to hang these. I connect them by paper clips and I love to hang them in front of our big bank of windows to let the light really shine through. You and your students will really love the results. All right, and then another hack that I love is watercolor effect with markers. This is a couple of lessons, this idea you can see in a couple of lessons on my blog. I did both the Chris Uphughes hearts and the James Rizzi cities using this method. It's pretty simple. And this is great for you teachers who are classroom teachers, teachers on, your, on a cart, teachers who just don't have time to deal with the mess, but you wanna give your students a watercolor-esque experience. So it goes a little bit like this. I'll just break it down with the project we did. 
For the Rizzi cities, my students drew a variety of different buildings. Once their buildings were done, they drew over their pencil lines with a permanent marker. Because, as you know, when you add water to a permanent marker, it's not going anywhere. It's permanent. Then my students would outline just the inside of their building using that, quote, paste car trick to go around the edges of the building. And we usually did it like two or three times, just the outer edge of the building. Then with a paintbrush and water, I had my students paint over their marker lines and then just kind of sweep those um, marker lines with the water in toward the middle of their building. When you add water to marker lines, it wakes up the marker again, turning it into a beautiful diluted kind of paint. So it's the perfect kind of thing. If you're in a pinch, you don't want to deal with the mess, or you got a whole lot of markers on hand that you definitely want to use. Another trick that I love with markers is printmaking, and I have shared this a lot. In fact, I will have a blog post up with all of these marker-based projects. I'll put that up on my blog so you can easily see, get a visual for what it is I'm sharing with you. But if you've never done printmaking with markers, you guys, it is a game changer. I know that printing ink is expensive. I know that it's messy. Sometimes it's kind of smelly. Then you've got to buy brayers. You don't need any of that to provide your students with a printmaking experience. All you need are foam plates. Styrofoam plates work great. An ink pen for incising the lines in the plate and markers to color it with. So when we're doing printmaking, we always use styrofoam sheets, which you can find in your art supply catalog. My students draw a design with ink pen to, to incise the lines to make them nice and deep. Then they add color with markers. And the beauty of it is, is they don't have to print right away. Let's say that with 30 minute art classes like I have, the kids are only able to color part of their printing plate. They can still save it until next time and then print it too. So when they're all finished coloring their foam plate, I have my students take a damp sponge, or you can even use a spray bottle of water, spray and then wipe with the sponge the excess water off a piece of white paper. Take their foam plate, flip it over, and massage is what we say, the back of the foam plate. When they peel it off, the marker print will be left behind and pretty much the printing plate will be clean. Now, there is a little bit of a learning curve when you're doing this. Too much water on the paper will just kind of muddy up the design. Not enough water on the paper will make it so that the water isn't able to pull the print from the plate. But it's still a really cool process, and since it's a print, it's one that kids can repeat over and again. And now this last hack I learned from my friend, Laura Lee Chambers. If you follow her on Instagram, she's at two, the number two, Art Chambers. And she has amazing ideas, you guys. This one is one of my favorites. You can either do this with a sheet of aluminum foil or you could do it on a, a plastic baggie. Have your students with their markers just color a design. Filling, the objective being to fill the entire surface of the foil or the baggie, fill it completely full with color. Then, when it's filled with color, spritz it with water, just a little bit, a good fine misting. Place a piece of paper on top, massage, and peel. 
And when you peel it off, that paper will have captured all of the marker that was either on the foil or on the plastic bag. Really, whatever slick surface that you have on hand would do the trick. And there you have it. Markers, people. Markers. Now, I did have a whole nother section that was going to be all about permanent markers, but I do believe you're probably sick and tired of hearing about markers, so I will save that one for another podcast episode. But now let's talk about what three things I am loving right meow. Okay, thing number one that I'm loving right now is this something, this thing I recently purchased called the 100 day, oh gosh, it's not in front of me, the 100 day goal setter or goal planner. It's this, it's this book. I'm a lister, you guys. I love me a list. I love making a to-do list, any kind of list. I will list anything all day long. Do I follow the list? Not usually. Do I lose the list? 100% of the time. But this book is just kind of like making me happy and excited. It's called The 100 Day Goal Setter, and I found it online. And <laughs> I'm sure if you Google it, it's a little black book, not that kind of little black book. Um, and it's great. It's just every day you have to kind of write in it some things that have worked for you for that day toward working toward your goals, some things that you could have worked a little bit harder on, what distractions or obstacles got in your way, what can you do to avoid or get around those the next day. Have I written in it every single day? No. I've actually fallen off the wagon twice, and um, it's I think I'm on page or day 13, so I haven't worked with it too long. But I definitely feel like it's holding me a little bit more accountable. I'm getting better at making my to-do list smaller and more pointed or more directed, you know, as opposed to saying, finish this big project. I'm writing down the little baby steps that I need to do to get me closer to finishing a big project. You know, my to-do list used to say, like, prep for art show. What the flip does that mean? But if I write something down like frame first grade art, then I'm taking that tiny little baby step that gets me closer to my goal. So that's something I'm really loving right now. Another thing I'm really loving right now is black and white plus rainbow everything. So I don't know if you, you know, follow me on Insta, but my my wardrobe choices have been changing a little bit. And I've been loving right now these 80s themed or 80s sweaters from the 80s that are just big, bold, and bright. And my favorite thing to do is pair them with a black and white, whether it be a black and white striped tight or a black and white polka dot or a black and white, you know, hairband. I'm pretty wild and crazy. And I'm starting to think that rainbow and black and white are the new neutrals in my wardrobe because they go with everything. And the last thing I'm loving right now, which I feel like a crazy person saying this, but I am loving the app TikTok. <laughs> I am obsessed. Um, if you like it said, follow me on Insta, you'll often see my weird, quirky little videos that I've been sharing. That's from the app TikTok, which if you have children, they are on that. And you might also want to get on that just to see what they're watching because stuff's not always appropriate, but I'm really enjoying it. So anyway, all things markers and all th- three things that I'm loving this week. I hope you guys have a wonderful week and I will be talking to you soon. Bye, guys.